All right, let's wrap up the week here on The People Show. Let's get after it. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar, here with you. You can always be part of the show as well, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Costa, Dom, running the show behind the glass. Uh, Again, I always appreciate when you're part of the show as well. Texting in, a lot to get to. Randeep Janda will join us in about uh, 10 minutes here at 310. Big Six on a Friday. And also we got uh, Jamal Mayers making an appearance on the show today. Uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst. Defense. Uh, Look, you know me. I love defense. Uh, We're not seeing a lot of it across the NHL. All these multi-goal-blown leads uh, across the league. It's comeback city right now. Why can't anyone defend? Uh, I needed to reach out to an NHL defender, uh, former NHL defender, over 900 games. Uh, We'll get to him uh, later on in the show as well. People's picks plus the football preview into a loaded Week 13. All sorts of great matchups this weekend. Again, uh, myself and Randy uh, will be uh, out uh, on Sunday uh, checking out all these marquee games uh, at Match Eatery and Public House uh, at Cascades Casino in Delta. Uh, from 1 to 5 o'clock, uh, Match Eatery and Public House offering you the social traditions of a neighborhood pub with the high energy of a sports bar. Uh, we'll be there again, 1 to 5 o'clock. Uh, you got plenty of chances to win tickets, Canucks tickets, and also a pair of tickets to the Seahawks game December 11th. Uh, smart speaker and some gear uh, as well, uh, 650 gear. Uh, Match Eatery and Public House, located at the new Cascades Casino next to the Massey Tunnel. We'll have a uh, prize pack for you to give away at some point as well uh, later on in this half hour. $50 gift card to Match Eatery. But I did want to start with uh, the Vancouver Canucks last night. 5-1, another loss. Uh, It resembled uh, 5-1 from Tuesday night as well. So it's back-to-back dispiriting performances, uninspiring, whatever the term is you want to use, uh, send it in, 650-650, into the inbox. Uh, But you've heard me talk about this a lot, too. How you segment a season, 20 games, try to craft your identity, 40 games, continue to work on your identity, and then the last 20, gear up for the playoffs. That's what it's all about. That's how I view... You know, the, the, the teams that have success, they spend the first 20 figuring out what their identity is, and you have to reset it every year. Just because you have Sidney Crosby doesn't mean it's always going to be Sidney Crosby. you you, you got to try to reset it. That guy's the, the first-line grinder. So you, you got to constantly have to rediscover your identity. Now, some teams, it's the same carryover. I get it, but you have to put the work in to do so. And now we're through the 20-game mark for a lot of teams across the NHL. And now it's these next 40, 45 is honing in on what you do best and then fine-tune at the last little bit. And coming into the season, and it's been said as well about the Vancouver Canucks, what is their identity? Honestly, they haven't really solved it over the course of multiple seasons here. But last season, when asked multiple times, you know, the management group mentioned Thatcher Demko. The goaltending was the identity for the Vancouver Canucks. Well... We saw last night, injuries can happen. And Thatcher Demko, whether it be short-term or long-term, and still waiting for the official prognosis of uh, how long this could be, uh, MRI still scheduled for later in the day, suddenly uh, the Vancouver Canucks are tasked with, with figuring out what their identity is without Thatcher Demko. And again, it could be three weeks, it could be much longer. But nevertheless, games still go on, and the Vancouver Canucks have to figure out what they are. So when you look at the Vancouver Canucks right now, in, in a reality, not to sound like a movie trailer, in a reality, uh, without Thatcher Demko, what is the Canucks' identity to you? And, and this is the point I harp on so often, is, is when things are going wrong, what can you fall back on that stabilizes you and allows you to just get to neutral again? And start working towards being the best version of yourself. And this is the thing that's gonna this team's gonna have to solve. And the the thing a lot of people would say was like, well, they're goal scoring. And and especially, can you look good on the power play? 
power play is kind of struggling. If you just look at the raw totals, doesn't look so bad. Yeah, they got three goals in their last handful. But it's three games in a row with no goals. Two games before that with no goals. They got three versus Vegas, which is fantastic. But these are the stretches that I've always talked about. The power play. They can go cold. And when you draw confidence from your power play and your specialty teams, especially your offensive specialty teams, when you go through a stretch where you're 3-19 and and all three of those goals came in one game, that's five donuts for you. And for a team that can be as fragile as this group, and JT Miller again said it last night, evoking immaturity, that they can show immature habits. Here's another frustration developing part of the game where they are 3-19. and 19, And it's your marquee players doing this. You know, if you put out role players on the penalty kill and it goes wrong and you look, you're like, oh man, we're 64, 68%. It's not going well. Your star players can still score to overcome that. But that's not even happening either. The power play struggling, and goal scoring is not an identity. And and honestly, like just go through the best teams, and if you just look at the West right now, like who are the best teams? A lot of them have figured out what their identity is. The Dallas Stars, they got one of the best lines in hockey. Locked them all up too. Robertson's a shorter term deal, but suddenly that identity of that team flipped real fast from Rick Bonus last year to what they are right now. Jason Robertson's filling the net. Uh, Twenty-two. Uh, he scored his twenty-second last night. The Colorado Avalanche, they're champions. We know that. And it's still going to be about what the playoffs look like for the Avs, but here they are, 27 points in 21 games, plus 18 goal differential. They're strong. Winnipeg, mentioned Rick Bonus. They got the best defense, goals against at least, in the West. Connor Hellebuck returning to form. That's an identity. After 21 games, you kind of have an idea what the Winnipeg Jets are. And they're doing it without Nick Ehlers. When something goes wrong, what are you going to fall back on? They fall back on team defense. They fall back on Connor Hellebuck. There are more reinforcements are coming up for the Winnipeg Jets. Pierre-Luc Dubois playing some of the best hockey he's had. Kyle Connor continues to score. They're thriving through adversity. Vegas Golden Knights, their star power. That's part of their identity. You go through it right now, the teams that are stable and look like they have solid footing going into the new calendar year, They've crafted out what their identity is, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, text coming in. Uh, he's been the main culprit, though, as far as Thatcher Demko. Look, that's fine. He hasn't lived up to his standard. I understand that. But now this team's going to have to rediscover what they are. Through adversity, this team has not shown that they can push back and just continue to push forward. They had this big opportunity to get back to 500, and they've shown up with 5-1-5-1 games. So this is what this team is faced to do, faced with having to solve uh, in real time now without Thatcher Demko. And I understand, you know, more takes coming in here. Uh, he's been by far the worst player through 24 games. His absence was will not be missed. That's text coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Now, the talent of Thatcher Demko, uh, I would still bet on. But I understand if you're uh, concerned what the results have been so far this season. Uh, let's bring in Randy Janda, uh, Sportsnet 650, color commentator on the Canucks games. Randy, what's going on? What's going on, Vic? How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's, it's always nice to, to jump on the people's show. I feel like I'm home. Yeah, Uh It'll feel like home on Sunday, too, man. Uh, you and me getting together. Right. That's right. We're going to be hanging out at Delta at Cascade. Can't wait, I'm looking man. forward to that. Uh, we haven't watched, like, multiple hours of sports together in some time. <laughs> it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to it. Man, usually post-show, set up at a bar, have a beer, and just, like, yep. yell about whatever. So, you know, we, we, we get to do the show all over again uh, live at uh, Cascade's Casino on Sunday. It's going to be a blast. That's right, and there's going to be a lot of things. So if you want to arrive early, the Argentina-Australia game is going to be going on on Sunday, so that'll be cool. Um, or, sorry, uh, one of the World Cup games anyways. Yeah. I have my game. I think it's the England games actually going on Sunday at that point, the late game. So that, that might even be uh, a more of a reason to go. But also, we got the Dolphins versus the Niners and your Seahawks against the Chargers going yeah. on during that four-hour window too. So we're going to have some chirps going back and forth, I'm sure. You on one side – 
squealing like a dolphin, me on the other side, cawing like a hawk or whatever. Whatever hawks do and, and, and dolphins do. No, and if there's any Seahawks or Dolphins fans out there, obviously in the lower mainland, there's a lot of Seahawks fans. Come out, uh, watch the games with us. You can chirp the Seahawks when they start losing or cheer on the Finns when they start winning. <laughs> it's weird because the, the Finns are playing uh, the 49ers, an in, in NFC West rival. I might have to be cheering for the Finns. It's, it's, it's bizarre. That's right. That's right. That might be a weird situation for you. <laughs> it might get complicated. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun on uh, Sunday. Can't wait to see everyone uh, as well at the uh, uh, brand new Match Eatery and Public House uh, at the new Cascades Casino uh, next to the Massey Tunnel. Uh, all right. I'll start in the show here. Uh, you know, last year we talked about what the identity of this team was, and even when asked, you know, management said, you know, goaltending, and, and, and that was the thing. Now we're going to have to live in reality without, potentially, we'll see how long it might be, uh, without Thatcher Demko. It didn't look great last night, uh, but again, we'll see what the, the full uh, medical diagnosis is. Uh, but if you had to look at, like, what this team's next identity is, and, and they haven't solved it even this year because the goaltending is, hasn't been great, but what to you is this team's identity through 20 games? Yeah, if you start looking at what that next chapter would be, and we don't know about Thatcher Demko. We don't necessarily know, you know, what that timeline looks like. We'll probably get an update on that tomorrow, according to Bruce Boudreau today at practice. But I think you have to lean back on something. Okay, at the beginning of the year, what were the two areas that we said the Canucks have to win on? Have to win. One would be the goaltending, which we know has been up and down, uh, more down than up this year, especially when it came to Thatcher Demko before the injury. The other aspect, Vic, was special teams, right? This is a team that historically, that's where they're going to make their, they make, make, you know, their moments in a game. So I start looking at that and say, hey, that power play is going to have to be heavily reliant uh, upon again. And that PK needs to continue to improve. So, you know, defensively, they have to make a lot of strides. But can any predict, anybody predict what their defensive effort is game to game? Uh, you know, they were soft down low yet again yesterday. Uh, they didn't have that intensity in defending transition. So I'm not banking on this team to be have good defense as a part of their identity. I, they're going to have to win where they excel. And to me, you know, a lot of these games are going to have to be good, solid goaltending. You still have to rely on Spencer Martin, Colin Dealey, if he ends up getting any games. But I go back to special teams where they still have to win there. They have to potentially dominate on the power play in a lot of games this year in order to really – you know, that's going to have to be their identity. And, yeah, the top six has to dominate. Like, I, the last couple of games have been disappointing throughout the lineup, but especially with the best players, you know, in those key moments when Matthew Kachuk and Carter Verhage are running roughshod in transition. They're, you know, Sam Reinhardt's line is doing a heck of a job. The Canucks need to come back, and they need to have their best players be their best players. So, to me, it comes down to special teams and winning those five-on-five battles, it's going to be based on offense because you can't trust this team defensively right now. It's alarming when you say something like that Of as far as uh, that you don't know what you're going to get night in, night out for this team, right? Mm-hmm. And, and coaches value consistency. Like Coaches love consistency. Even if it's a, a bad player, it's like, hey, if I put you over the boards, I know what I'm going to get because you're very consistent. And like I, I just I, I know we've talked about like Bruce Boudreaux's you know, sometimes game – decisions and lineup decisions but at the same time you know now that we're, we're getting more games in and we talk about how important consistency is I, I i can understand maybe some more of the changes because it's hard to predict what this team's going to do night in night out it totally is and I, I start looking back at last night's game i think washington's game was bad in its own way um but you know dick as we talked about in the post game yesterday it felt like you know if you were willing to give the benefit of the doubt you could say fatigue right that washington game but here's the problem the florida game was worse and there were moments in that game looking back at and saying just looking like they're lacking focus so from a coach's perspective you know you can put niels hoaglander in the third line bump him back up to the first line after the first period and say all right we're gonna we're gonna change things up here you can try to make adjustments but some of those plays in that game when I look at the J.C. Miller pass on the power play that he just hands it to Sam Bennett, that's poor puck management. Later on in the game when the game's already gone, you know, Niels Hoaglander on that pass to Quinn Hughes, uh, just not crisp passing. There were moments in that game, and uh, defensively, for sure, almost every single game, uh, goal you saw for Florida, there was you know, being outworked, but there's a lack of attention to detail. So, yeah, at this point in time, if you're a coach, you're going to try things. You're going to try to... You know, if you're Bruce Boudreaux, you're moving Hoaglander off to see if Brock Besser will give you something. You're, you're looking to bring in Riley Stillman because, you know, Kyle Burroughs maybe had an off night, but 
Bruce Boudreau has also talked about how he doesn't want that many players sitting off to the side for too many games. You're trying to change something, but this comes down to focus. This comes down to attention to detail. And there's no surprise, you know, that the Canucks today in practice, their focus for half of a, essentially a 13 minute practice was on puck management, making quick, crisp passes coming out of their own zone, including forwards and defensemen. And it was short. It was, I guess, sweet. But if you are the coach, there's only so much you can do with the, the composition of the roster, Vic. It comes down to these guys just doing a better job. And, and a 13-minute practice focused on passing and getting out of your zone and not giving up the puck tells you where they're at right now, confidence-wise, and where the coach believes they need to focus. I, I figure that's why we talked to you today, because I, I, I don't think you got to hang out at practice uh, yeah, come on you know, now. like long enough. So I figured if we put you to 10 minutes of work here, it'll be like a, a 30 minute day for you. Uh, I'm for it, man. You know me. <laughs> Always hustling. Yeah. And you know what's bizarre, too? It's, it's, you know, those three games against Colorado, Vegas, San Jose, um, you know, the overall defensive play looked better, right? And you come back home and you think, okay, is this something to, to, to build upon? And, you know, like, there's consistency. It's consistency again. It's you know, especially last night. Like last night was dreadful early too. That there were so many odd man rushes early and just bad puck management. And and you just think it's well, even if you say you want to build some momentum, you've shown that it doesn't matter if you have some momentum. Like like that's the the the, the struggle I come to is like, while we have these big picture conversations of things have to change and those are all valid. They still have to play twenty five of some odd games here through December and January. Like, what is this going to look like, and and where are these habits going to be formed if you showcase that you can't do it? Well, you mentioned that Colorado and the Vegas game, and I look back at that, and if you look at the scoring chances, it's not like the Canucks were, you know, heavily outchancing those opposition. There was, for the most part, it was pretty equal in both of those games. I believe they were in the negatives just barely against Colorado, and they were in the positives against Vegas. But here's the difference. They had more chances. They had more zone possession. They were not one and done in the zone. Where last night against Washington as well, if you look at the scoring chances, it was 31 to 15 for Florida. High danger chances were 16 to 5. And what that tells me is not only are they not defending Vic, but when you can't keep the puck in the opposition zone, when you can't lean on them, guess where it's going? You're playing sloppy in your own end. But it also starts in the neutral zone. You're allowing the other team to come in with speed. So, yeah, that consistency factor, you know, against Vegas, they actually, you know, leaned into the offense a little bit. They, you saw a little bit more, you know, puck support. You saw a little aggressive play on the forecheck. Coming back home here in Vancouver, where their record is 3-6-1 and one to start off the year, which is another kind of side story on how they haven't been able to get the job done here at home. But you just didn't see that aggressive play from them where they're, you know, leaning on those teams where they're generating more offense. And I think defensively, for sure, we know this team has issues. We've seen it going back two years. But the last two games is not only do they have a defensive problem, but when you can't generate offense, when you can't generate possession, guess where the puck is going? It's going back the other way with dynamic teams. And even a team like Washington, who is nowhere near, I would say, the depth that they used to have. They're not as fast as the teams like the Florida Panthers. They put you know the Canucks in a bad spot in Florida especially that top line last night was just going up the ice at will uh, whenever they wanted to so when you can't lean on teams when you can't create that possession guess what that makes a, uh, a pretty bad defense worse because you're you're being leaned on more in your own uh, defensive zone yeah and and uh, Saturday will be interesting as well against Arizona um, you know not exactly a marquee opponent but uh, certainly uh a get right opportunity. But the thing is like right now the Coyotes play hard, right? And mm-hmm. even if we want to come to this season, like, Oh, they're kind of a joke of a team. It's 17 points in 21 games, but they're playing hard. And that's the thing the Canucks have struggled with is even when teams or when teams start to play hard against them. And we're talking about higher quality. Like you saw Washington and Florida come in and, and maybe it wasn't 60 minute efforts, but they played hard for a while. Uh, if, if Arizona actually skates hard for 60 minutes, like I think that result is more in uh, dispute than we might realize. Well, Arizona, yeah, they, they know what they are right now. There's a lot of guys on that team right now that are playing for their career, their jobs next year. There's some young guys that are they're trying their best. But the team after that on Monday, uh, Montreal, we've seen that story before. When Vancouver went to the Bell Center in Montreal, remember that game where one team brought the effort and the other one didn't have it? So... You know, a couple of these teams, even though they're expected to be at the, the bottom of the standings 
you know, at the end of the year, that doesn't mean that they're not going to win games. That doesn't mean that Martin St. Louis has been getting that team to play pretty much close to almost complete games, at least from an effort perspective. We know they have a, a deficiency in skill, but they're coming into Vancouver on Monday, uh, having beaten the Calgary Flames too. So, you know, you've got some good vibes in some of these markets, even though they're in the basement. And I would say, you know, going back to, going back to the, the original conversation we were having of, you know, that power play, um, they're going to need it. They're going to need it here, especially, you know, the effort you're going to have to bring it. You're going to have to draw those penalties. But Dick, one of the areas, and I think with Thatcher Demko now going down with an injury, depending on how long he's out, you're going to need that power play to click better. And 0 for 3 last night against the Florida Panthers, uh, a penalty kill that's ranked 25th in the NHL. Uh, no, that's, that's when the Canucks are supposed to eat. And we're starting to see that a little bit in the last couple of games where they haven't been able to generate. So, you know, this is a, a power play dependent team. Uh, that might seem as something that is used against them. No, but the reality is that's where they generate a lot of their offense. And that's where players like Bo Horvat and JT Miller have created a lot of their offense in these next two, three games where they need to lift up their confidence again. That's where they're going to have to eat. And they haven't been able to do that the last two or three. All right, pal, we, we uh, put you to enough work. Uh, that's enough for today. All right, 10 minutes. All right, I'll well, see you, you know on what Sunday. The... We're, no work on Sunday. We're going to chill out with uh, the people show <laughs> listeners and Sportsnet 650 listeners. Here's the truth is, uh, you know, when you were still on the show, uh, Big Six was going pretty well. And uh, the, the, last, the, the, the last week or last two weeks hasn't gone well. So I, I just needed that Randy magic on the show. And, and... I had a feeling. Yeah. I had a feeling because last time we chatted, you mentioned that you'd gone on a losing streak. I came on the show and then it, it sorted itself out. So I'm pretty sure I'm I went 6-0 yin... that week too. So I'm the yin to Big Six's yang is 100%. what you're saying. All right. Cheers, pal. All right. All right. Have a good one. Randy Janda joining us on the show here on The People's Show. All right. Let's get to it. Uh, improving, or we're, we're still above the uh, the fifty percent mark. Uh, let's let's try to bounce back this week with Big Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. 35, 33 and four on the season. Fifty one point five percent. Let's kick it off with the Jaguars plus one at the Lions. Big win last week. So a potential letdown spot here for the Jags. This line's moved a little bit. Again, plus one here for the Jaguars. I'm going to take the points. I get the better quarterback. I get the better coach in this scenario in a dome. And I think that's a confidence-growing win, not a letdown spot into this moment here for the Jaguars, who you have to beat the Detroit Lions in this spot if you want to build upon what you just did. you got to reinforce this project as it continues to move forward. Take the points. Jaguars win 27-21. Jets plus three at the Vikings. Yeah, I'm taking Dom's Jets. Let's do it. The Mike hype hype is real. I just think they can bully this team in the trenches. And if they can start resetting the, the line of scrimmage, how will that influence the game both offensively? Mike White did such a great job just playing the game in rhythm and allowing his playmakers to get more yards after the catch and just not put his team behind the chains. If they constantly reset the line of scrimmage and push lean on these Vikings, I think they'll be able to set up good field position as well for their defense, which that could be chaotic as well. I'm taking the points. Jets win 28-24. Commanders, minus one and a half at the Giants. This is a big spot for Daniel Jones. We'll get into it a little bit on the people's picks, but this is a team that started hot. Maybe he could have bought himself another year as the Giants quarterback, but this is a high-pressure moment. You lose to a divisional rival in this spot when you're on the border of the playoffs, and then you get the Commanders in a couple of weeks as well. This is the first real test for Daniel Jones in a clutch moment. I'm going against them. Commanders minus one and a half, too. They're getting better on the defensive side of the ball. Not a lot of playmakers for the Giants either, uh, so I'll lay the points. Commanders win 24-14. Titans plus four and a half at the Eagles. I, I like this Titans team, man. I just warm up to them every single week. They just punch you in the mouth. Whatever you want to do, they're going to punch you in the mouth. And they're, they're just exciting to watch. If you like hard-nosed, competitive football, I'll take the points. Titans in an upset, 23-21. Chargers minus one at the Raiders. Don't really buy into the home field advantage for the Raiders. They made a comedy of errors as well in that Seahawks game, as well the Seahawks. 
that was that was just a poorly executed poorly managed game by both teams raiders get the win full credit josh jacobs is a star but i still don't buy into josh mcdaniels suddenly chargers i get the better quarterback again i know there's a couple injuries but i'll lay the points 27 24 for the chargers and one more road favorite it is kind of a, a sneaky trap spot but i'll take the steelers minus one and a half at the falcons steelers come off of that big win as well monday night football so it's a short week and they have baltimore coming up but this atlanta team i think the jig is up on Mariota. this running game defense comes to play for the steelers pickett does enough against a bad defense steelers win minus one and a half they win 24 20 so that's jaguars plus one jets plus three commanders minus one and a half titans plus four and a half chargers minus one and steelers minus one and a half for pick six all right back on the other side we'll get to the people's picks the football preview and jamal mayer is on the way here on the home of the canucks sportsnet 650 Hey, welcome back to the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Vic Nazar and Dominic Schermatti running the show today. You can always be part of it again. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Looking forward again to seeing you at Match Eatery uh, and Public House. Myself and Randy Janda will be there on Sunday. Make sure you're there as well uh, from 1 to 5 o'clock. We'll get to the People's Picks uh, in just a moment. Also, uh, Jamal Mayers will join us uh, in about five minutes, but uh, let's do the football preview first on the People Show. Brought to you by Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame. The Clayton Public House is your home for all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. A lot going on this weekend. Marquee games everywhere. Dolphins 49ers, Commanders Giants, Titans Eagles. Chiefs, Bengals, Jaguars, Lions. Yeah, I'm throwing that one in there. Sneakily, I think that one might be the most exciting game of the weekend. Just because of the chaos. If, if you just want, like, the red zone game, out-of-conference opponents, good offenses, star number one overall pick. Jared Goff was a high pick, obviously, as well. <laughs> I should have said star number one pick and Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but I, I think this has got a bit the potential to be a high-scoring game. Uh, maybe the over on this one and your fantasy teams. If you got a Christian Kirk, if you got a Zay Jones, I'm on Ross St. Brown. This could be the fun game uh, of the weekend where it ends up like 37-33 or something like that. I know I took it in big six, uh, a little bit lower scoring, but never, it, it, anything can happen uh, in this one. I do kind of feel that way uh, for the Jaguars and Lions. As the Jaguars you know, start to figure this out, a uh, bit more trust in the offense with Trevor Lawrence and with Doug Peterson. Big win for them last week. Could be a letdown spot, but I, I think we could see some fireworks uh, in this one. But the big fireworks show, the, the the main event for this weekend. And we got a great Sunday, too. That's the thing. Past couple of weeks, it's been a lot of downer games with, like, one matchup that has winning teams. This Dolphins-49ers game. Best defense in the league. Probably the best offense in the league. One of, if not the best offense in the league. I'll admit, I'm a little nervous going into this game because I know I've been a Dolphins hater on this uh, show, much to the chagrin of Randeep Janda, uh, and and they've been slighted, according to many, in the power rankings alongside the Minnesota Vikings. If the Dolphins win this game, probably going to push them to the top five. 49ers go out of the top five of the power rankings. Dolphins will jump up. This is a massive opportunity for them. Plus, you get the coaching matchup, Mike McDaniel versus Kyle Shanahan. Teacher versus student. There's an element to this. Is this going to be like when Josh McDaniels went up against Belichick, when Josh McDaniels uh, was a Denver Bronco? Is this going to be like one of those moments? Mike McDaniel being the understudy for Kyle Shanahan. Knows all the ins and outs. How to slow it down. You could say the same thing about Kyle Shanahan. How's that defense going to match up against Mike McDaniel? D'Amico Ryan's the defense coordinator for the 49ers. Just doing a phenomenal job. That's a future head coaching candidate as well. Along with... Uh, from Philly, Shane Steichen, whose name you'll probably hear a lot, but D'Amico Ryans, get used to hearing his name uh, plenty as we uh, get ready for the NFL offseason as well. Former NFL linebacker as well. He th- That defense just has so many guys that can just fly to the ball 
and wreck things. Like even just look at last week, Alvin Kamara trying to get into the end zone. They ripped the ball out, forced a fumble. Uh, massive moment in that game because the Saints played reasonably well against the 49ers. But when you got Hufanga, Warner, Bosa, just on and on and on. Armstead, uh, just so many bodies they can throw at so many different problems and cause problems as well. I shade a little bit towards the 49ers, but it's it, it, very dead even game uh, in this spot. We'll see if Tua can go up against a strong defense. Uh, then we got the Titans and Eagles. This is going to be like the Titans just punch people in the face. <laughs> I know I said it earlier, but that's the thing. It's They're just so good at just whatever your, whatever your game plan is, we're just going to throw it right back at you and see if you can deal with it. And the Eagles, look, they got a little pushed around on the running game against the Packers. And we know that's what the Titans want to do. Derrick Henry, get him the ball, move it downhill, then open up the downfield attack with Traylon Burks, Ryan Tannehill off the play action. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they can uh, combat uh, with the Eagles, who, you know, defensively, back end is really strong. But do they get you out of your game plan uh, with, they, with the way they can run the ball? And then it's uh, an AFC Championship rematch, Chiefs and Bengals. Good revenge spot for the Chiefs. Playoff loss took away the Super Bowl opportunity from them. But as you know, we spent so much time talking about how the Chiefs blew that game away. If you're the Bengals, do you kind of have your own internal motivation of saying, "Hey, everyone's picking this for be to be a revenge game. This is reverse revenge for us. We have to validate what we did in the AFC Championship, and that defense is doing a great job." Again, no specialty players. There's no Miles Garrett, Vaughn Miller coming off the edge, but they. They're just consistently in the right spots. You can't get big gains on them. And even if you do, someone's there to, to, to wrap up a tackle real fast. This is going to be a sneaky good game. And and as Burrow tries to make this climb in the QB ranks, he's not as explosive as Josh Allen, doesn't look as magnificent as Mahomes sometimes, and Herbert's more raw when it's just whipping it a downfield. Burrow's more methodical, and, and he's, he, he wins differently, but, he, man, does he ever win a lot. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting one, uh, Chiefs and Bengals. That's a football preview brought to you by the Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame. The Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. Uh, let's connect now with uh, Jamal Mayers, longtime NHLer, over 900 games in the league. You watch him on TV now, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst. Uh, there's all sorts of these uh, lead changes going along, uh, going around across the NHL, so I want to talk to a former NHL D-man. Uh, so let's connect with him here. Uh, Jamal Mayers, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, we're doing fantastic here, uh, although uh, the, the results for the Canucks haven't been going so great, but uh, yeah, uh, we're all good over here. Actually, uh, uh, last night, it was uh, it was Hall of Fame night, uh, Roberto Luan and uh, Daniel and Henrik Sedin uh, getting uh, their their moment in front of the Canucks fans after their Hall of Fame induction. You obviously would have gone against the uh, Twins. Uh, what was always so challenging about playing uh, them in the D zone? Yeah, I think they they really redefined the give and go game. And obviously, uh, when you have a, a power play set piece named after you uh, with the high tip, uh, they obviously they were extremely difficult to defend. They were big, strong, not like unbelievably fast, but they were so gifted in creating time and space and knew how to create two-on-ones all over the ice. So a huge challenge to defend, and I'm sure it made me look silly on many occasions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've done that too many a guy. Uh, I, I did want to talk to you about a bunch of stuff and, and trends that are happening around the league right now. Uh, you've been doing great work on the panel as well at Sportsnet, and, and you know just the idea of where we're seeing all these you know come from behind wins across the league right now and lead changes that are you know multi goal leads. Vancouver's been very problematic at it, uh, leading the league and, and breaking records uh, as well doing so. Um, you know when you look at why it's happening, uh, you know it's one thing to look at and say, hey, the the game has never been skilled. It's never been as skilled as this, which is true and valid. But at the same time, is there a defensive component to why it's happening too? I think the game's gotten younger and younger in the last 10 years. And I think that um, what happens is because of that, you're going to get a lot of really amazingly offensive players. But the byproduct of that is you're going to have players that in the past would, would be probably in the minors learning how to protect lead learning the time and score and appreciating um when to when to be a little bit safer and and because of that 
you're having this little bit of an imbalance in and a tremendous amount of skill and a lack of experience in understanding how to manage a game. Is is defense also changing? Because look, we're not in you know pre two thousands and and you can bring an axe to the front of the net and chop wood down and and, and take some people down. And it's you do have to change how you battle in front of the net. But you know, one thing for me is it feels like we don't see enough battles in general because there are still ways to create contact and impact offensive players. Yeah, it's not. It's really less about creating battles. I think that gets overstated. It's more about limiting time and space and. And, you know, a lot of the younger defenders, uh, the most important prerequisite is to be able to skate. And a lot of the stay-at-home type of defensemen are kind of weeded out of, this, out of the game. And so not only when I was playing, you had two, play, two defense that would activate from that front and create odd man situations. And now today's game, you have all six that do that. So um, you're going to have D on the wrong side of things. You're going to have Poor reads. You're going to have all kinds of things that that create it uh, way before you get to the net front. And yeah, that, that, that's a great point about you know timing of when it gets to premium scoring areas. Because you know how much is of the influence now you're watching today is the emphasis of defensive forwards also thrown into that as well. That's always been a part of the game. I think that everyone participates in playing a, a structured game, and I think that um, being Playing in layers and playing, being difficult to play against, uh, and making it hard. And if you want your defense to be aggressive, you have to have backside pressure. If you want your, if you want to uh, be able to kill plays in the defensive zone, you have to have D that are strong enough to push pucks up the wall. You have to have guys that are willing to block shots. That that's never changed. You have to have guys that understand where to be on in defensive structure and and make it difficult and protect the front of the front of the net that that is never going to change um the ability for teams to stick to that and adhere to their structure is is probably the biggest challenge of any coach and i think that getting younger players to understand and appreciate that if they're more structured defensively it actually lead to better offensive chances i'm having trouble teaching my 10 year old team that but uh, over time, they're figuring it out that if they work to get back, they'll have more space to create offensively. What's the first thing the ten-year-olds want to try to do? Uh, uh, well, they just—we're I, I, lucky. We have a good group here that uh, that understands that that if we if we play hard and we shorten our shifts. I mean, for me, it's the, the biggest thing to, thing at this age is, is shift length. You're right. And I think it takes a long time for them to understand that, although they can you know, stay out there for a minute and a half to play fast and to play the way we want to play. And I think that uh, it just takes time for them to understand that. Uh, talking to Jamal Mayers, Sportsnet's uh, NHL analyst on TV, also a longtime NHLer as well. Uh, long time in St. Louis. You're in St. Louis now. Um, their season is well right now. It, it's been up and down. It, it, it's kind of a, a microcosm of, of the league right now. Like, it seems very volatile. It, it started uh, poorly, and then it, they, they shot back up, and, and now it feels like it's stabilizing again here. Yeah, they've had a tough go. I think that finding their consistency has been a real challenge, as you said, for a lot of teams, but very uncommon for this group. A veteran team, a coach that's been there before, it's won a Stanley Cup, a team that you wouldn't expect to be as volatile as, as they've been. Having, I mean, I believe they lost seven or eight in a row and then mm-hmm. ended up winning eight in a row. They believe, they're just one game under 500. Uh, it would appear that they're a better team than this. Uh, but finding it to me, it's moments in the game and capturing those moments. And there's lapses in their game at the wrong times. And it's not capturing the game and understanding, always being mindful of time and score and situation. And I think that that's part of the learning curve. A lot again for younger teams and younger players is is always being mindful of the time and the score and the situation who you're on the ice with. They're in an, a very interesting spot, too. It's a little similar to Vancouver as well because they have some very important players in, in O'Reilly and Tarasenko who, you know, the, the contracts play a role, but it's also, you know, trying to change over to what the next era of Blues hockey might look like with some very promising young players and, and Thomas and, and Kairou coming in. You know, when, when, when you were playing in St. Louis, like, that team also kind of went through that in the post-Pronger, McKinnis kind of era. You, when you're trying to change over like a locker room or, or an entire group, you know, 
what's important uh, principles to try to carry over from a successful group to the next wave? Acceptance. I think the biggest point is that the players that are no longer driving the bus have to accept that their role is a little bit more diminished. I think that's the biggest piece Um, because you can't empower younger players unless you allow them the space to do it. And so it's incumbent upon the veterans on any team that has an influx of younger players that are doing well to embrace that. And I think that there's no better example of that than the Dallas Stars who have, you know, obviously you look at Jamie Benn and, and the success he's had in his career. Uh, you, you look at their lineup and, and you see all the young guys that they've allowed to empower to do better. And that comes from great leadership. Guys like Pavelski around, guys like Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn playing with younger players and Wyatt Johnston and Delandria, Jason Robertson's now the guy. Ropa Ants just signed an eight-year deal. But that doesn't happen unless you have veteran players that allow it to happen. And what I mean by that is they're accepting of the fact that they're at the different stage in their career, but know that for team success, it's the best decision organizationally. And I think the biggest step is having that buy-in from those key guys that everyone looks at. What does it look like when that doesn't happen then, I guess would be the question too. When it doesn't happen, it, it looks like a mess. It looks like it, it looks like a team that is uh, not together, that isn't organized, that isn't playing on the same page, that isn't uh, allowing their younger players, for whatever reason, they could be stalled in their progression as young players. It, it could mean that you're having a lack of team success. Um, there's so many different factors that go into it. And I think that, um, you know, obviously it, it all starts with, with goaltending. You have to have solid goaltending. Because what happens is if you don't have good goaltending, then you start to question everything. You question your defense. You question your structure. You question the way you create offense. You question the way you you defend. You're going to give up chances. You have to have goaltending that, that's above average to give you a chance to believe in your system. So I think it starts with that. I think that the next thing is in allowing that those growing pains to happen to allow younger players to – to take a stronger hold on your group and and organizationally has to be a decision that that you have to get the buy-in from those from those key veteran guys whoever they are there's a ton of canucks fans uh listening to you right now just nodding their head it's like oh that sounds like a lot of markers that happen here in vancouver uh where it hasn't uh, had a lot of success look they're, they're in the chase here in the in the the western conference wild card when you look at that group there right it's it's edmonton calgary minnesota nashville st louis in there uh as well uh what have you noticed through the western conference uh here in, in that middle pack uh rather than you know the dallas and the vegases well, who would have thought that you'd see Seattle mm-hmm. where they are? I mean, that's a little bit of a surprise, obviously. Um, they've got a ton of depth. They've got buy-in from you know every single one of their 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 group, which has been impressive. Um, you know, I think in that middle pack, obviously, you've got Calgary that's dis- been disappointing for the for the way that we expected them to play. St. Louis is disappointing in that regard. Um, surprises, obviously, the Golden Knights and, and Seattle, uh, L.A. to a lesser degree because they had a good year last year. So, you know, the good thing for Vancouver is that they're still they're still right there. They're not that far off. I believe they're only a, three points out of the wild card. So, um, there's their season is is still salvageable. Uh, I think the key is is that they, you know, they they get playing the right way, and I think that. When you know you know as a team if you're playing the right way, and then if you know if you keep continuing that standard that you'll win more than you lose, and so that's probably the biggest point for them is to continue to is to get to that point where they're playing the way they need to play, and get the goaltending. Obviously, I think Demko just got hurt. That doesn't help things, but you know he, him not playing well fed into their their you know defensive lapses as well, and they weren't as bad as it seemed, but they weren't getting good goaltending. So. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and the good thing is is that they're still in it, and what you want to do is be still in the mix in the new year and, and stay in there through the injuries and, and find a way to grow, and you'll have some surprises in your group, and you're going to have to. You're going to have to have young guys that step up, guys that you didn't expect to have big years, and, and that's how teams that are on the, on the bubble find a way in the playoffs. Uh, hey, Jamal, I know you got to run, uh, so we really appreciate you doing this. This was great, and uh, hopefully uh, connect down the road too. 
All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Jamal Mayers at Jamal Mayers on Twitter if you want to give him a follow as well. And, uh, again, you see him on TV. Uh, Sportsnet's NHL analyst. Uh, all right. Before we out of here, before we get out of here, uh, let's get to the people's picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. I'm keeping an eye on that Titans-Eagles game mentioned. Yeah, I do like the Titans, but also looking at some player props for Week 13. If you're liking the Titans, Jeff Simmons practicing today. That defense, physical. What do they try to take away? I think it's Miles Sanders. I'm taking the under on Miles Sanders' rushing yards, 58.5. Obviously, they can find ways to run the ball. Jalen Hurts using his legs. They have other bodies there. Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott is usage and just stopping this guy uh, a priority for the Tennessee Titans. Miles Sanders under 58 and a half yards. I really think think that game is going to be a slobber knocker. If you just want to watch guys duke it out physically, that's the game to watch. There's not going to be a lot of finesse in the trenches in that game, right? Like you watch the Packers, there's some finesse in their game. This is all about brute strength, uh, Tennessee and Philadelphia. Really excited for that game. Uh, The other one, uh, let's go to an NFC East game. Commanders versus the Giants. I think this is a big spot for Daniel Jones. If you've gone through the evaluation period with Daniel Jones this whole time and and it's built to this moment, it's not even a playoff game. But they're in a spot where it's, okay, are we ready to commit to Daniel Jones long term? I, I, you know, there's just not enough, wef- uh, not enough weapons on this team to properly evaluate what Daniel Jones is. They started to slip up a great deal. It, they look so sharp to begin the season. They busted out with all those wins. And even though there was major smoke and mirrors, you know, in some of these wins, they still chalked up seven. Well, it's, They've lost three of their last four to Seattle, Detroit, and Dallas. This is a big divisional moment after coming off a a divisional game as well. And the curtain's been pulled on all those smoke and mirrors. And Daniel Jones, this is a big spot. This is a clutch moment for Daniel Jones. I'm betting against he won't have his best game. I'll take two interceptions, pays off a little higher, 4.2 for Daniel Jones. Multiple interceptions in this game. New York is not a big enough town for two quarterbacks, and and there's Mike White and there's Daniel Jones, and it's 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 Mike White's town now. Forget Zach Wilson, it's it's Mike White's town. Dom's laughing behind the glass. So. <laughs> uh, all right, that's people's picks brought to you by PlayNow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at PlayNow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. I, I'm I'm serious about that. It's New York's only got uh, room for Aaron Judge, Igor Shosturkin, and apparently Mike White, Sauce Gardner. Man, it, it, it flipped quickly. They had, you know, OBJ. Like, the Jets haven't had any superstars in a while. I mean, like, true front page New York Post superstar. Sanchez, the last one? Wayne Krebet, the last one? Like, who's the last, the last one? Like, Sam Darnold? Is that what we're talking about? Darrell Rivas. That's more like you're a great player. Ravis Island? That's no, no, right. That but was league wide fame. He was the number one shutdown. I player. agree, but like he was great on the field. I mean, like gravitas, like superstar, because he was fairly reserved too, right? Like cornerbacks, Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, but he's at the end of it. Right, like Mike White. Like, like even you could admit, like Mike White's not a top twenty no. quarterback. But when you're the quarterback versus the cornerback, you're going to get headlines a lot easier. Now, Mike White's like taking headlines real fast. Brett Favre. Okay, yeah, that might be it. Yeah, that might be it. I, I heard a trade idea yesterday. I actually would love to get your opinion on this. Uh, we're seeing what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and, and Green Bay, and there's ways to get out of that contract uh, that they can restructure it and – Give him the bonus early. Are you asking trade me him? if I would take Aaron Rodgers in New York? Well, it's 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 life. It's history repeating itself, right? I, I I'm I'm buying into the the life as a simulation idea because uh, Brett Favre goes from Green Bay to the New York Jets. 
Aaron Rodgers. If at the end of the year they make it work financially and the contract's not as onerous on Green Bay all of a sudden, would you welcome him in New York? Rodgers to Garrett Wilson. That sounds good to me. It'd be interesting too, right? Because the, the offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur, who is uh, Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur's brother. Hand in glove. You, you, you know, little, a little carryover in offense, and, and maybe that's part of the conflict that they've had. It's like, hey, the offense isn't working for me. You go to a new destination. Rodgers probably have more power in that scenario outside of the Green Bay umbrella where it's hard for players to get power in that scenario. Let me ask you, if Rodgers goes to New York, currently in that offense, with that defense, do you think New York would instantly become a contender in the AFC? Immediately. Again, Then the answer is yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, yes. 100%. Uh, I guess it just depends. Like, do you think there's slippage in Rodgers' game? I think his it's his environment, not his talent. Which is weird, right? Like, I kind of agree with you. But we would never say that about the Green Bay about the Green Bay Packers. Sports are cyclical, man. You're not great forever. But but they but they win like as far as institutions go, it's like the Patriots, it's the Steelers, it's the Seahawks, and it's the Packers. That's that's like the class of of stability across the league. And it it, it would just kind of remind me of like Durant leaving the Warriors. It's like careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for, because you had everything you wanted, and if they kept winning titles, the acclaim would have followed Kevin Durant. And he wanted to go to Brooklyn and do it on his own. This would kind of resemble that. I mean, look at Russell Wilson. Left one of the institutions. Went to Denver. Chaos. And no offense to the New York Jets. It's been chaos for uh, a lot of time there. He goes there. If there's if there's any sort of, sort of physical slippage, it could end real bad for Aaron Rodgers. But uh, it was an idea I saw, and I was like, all right, that's pretty interesting. Uh, get Aaron Rodgers in New York so we could uh, drop even more takes to uh, the masses. Uh, all right, we got to run. It's Friday. Friday mailbag coming up for Canuck Central. Yannick Hansen as well. How uh, unimpressed is Yannick Hansen after two 5 1 losses by the Vancouver Canucks? They'll talk about it on Canuck Central. Dan Riccio, Satir Shaw on the way. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.